We are at a time of the year where many publicly traded companies release their annual earnings reports, including Microsoft, EA, and Nintendo, just to name a few. We are also at a time of the year where if you plan to release anything during the fall of 2020, then you need to start the marketing cycle soon as we are less than four months away from September, as unreal as that may sound, which typically does mark the start of the big gaming push. Microsoft has announced that subscriptions for Game Pass are looking great. EA has announced that during the next fiscal year, we will see them release 14 games, including sports titles, remasters, and even a few unknowns that could possibly be the speculated remastering of Mass Effect. Now, EA has said over the years that they are not doing remakes, but clearly that stance has softened as we are getting the Command & Conquer remaster as well as Burnout Paradise on the Switch. Another thing they've said is that they aren't interested in putting games on the Nintendo Switch, which has been also walked back as they announced multiple games will be released for the Nintendo console this year, including the aforementioned Burnout Paradise. They did say multiple, which does get the hamster wheel spinning on what it could be. EA also announces Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order has over 10 million unique players, which is great to see that game do well. It was a little unpolished in areas, but a great game that blended elements from many other great games. Now, EA Play will still be happening in June, which is great that we might get a chance to see what else they are remastering and possibly what else could be coming to the Switch. EA Play will take place on June 11th. However, on this week's episode of the Video Games Podcast, we are taking a more in-depth look at Nintendo's annual report and how it looks going forward, and we'll also give you our impressions on Microsoft's first 2020 initiative event with this week's episode of Inside Xbox. So hang on, and we'll be right back. Up until this point, it has seemed like Microsoft has been doing everything right when it comes to the reveal of the Series X. The cadence and the messaging thus far has been near perfect in my opinion, and in many others as well. And it has left many wondering why is Sony staying so quiet about the PlayStation 5. With Xbox, it started with the official reveal of the name and the form factor at the Game Awards in December of 2019, and then as time passed, followed up by some press releases on the Xbox Wire, and most notably was the spec reveal which Xbox smartly partnered with popular YouTube technology personalities, Digital Foundry, among others. Early this week, Microsoft announced their initiative for the rest of the year and how they plan to fully reveal the Xbox Series X to the world. The plan is called 2020. And if you want to read all about their plan, then you can check out the Xbox Wire for the whole post from corporate VP of gaming marketing, Jarrett West. But the basics of the plan is to have a showcase every single month until the release of the Series X. And one of the major quotes from the release was saying, our goal remains to launch Xbox Series X and Halo Infinite this holiday. Microsoft is very aware of how a killer app can move hardware, especially a series like Halo. And if it is able to rebound after a few less than well-received entries with Halo 4 and Halo 5, or since Bungie departed, then that would be great. Both of these games weren't bad by any means, but they just didn't quite capture the attention that the series was known for. It also doesn't say that Halo Infinite and the Xbox Series X will launch together, just the mention that both will be launching this holiday. As it has sounded so far from Phil Spencer in some of his interviews that the development studios are having a harder time working in these unprecedented conditions. Refocusing on the 2020 plan, 
Their initiative is to give the fans more information, as the article says, including what's next for the Series X, Xbox Game Studios, Xbox Game Pass, and Project X Cloud. Every month will bring something different, which is awesome to hear. The first showcase that has been announced was earlier this week and would be focusing on third-party games, with many Xbox executives making posts on social media hyping up the event. And one of the main ways that this showcase seemed like a slam dunk was that it was going to be anchored by world premiere gameplay of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which anytime you have a new entry in the Ubisoft franchise, you're going to be garnering plenty of attention. Looking ahead, the post also laid out its plans for July and how it will be focused on first-party games from some of their teams at Xbox Game Studios. Microsoft was busy during this current generation taking their lumps for lack of exclusives and they've tried to remedy this situation by acquiring plenty of studios to help bolster their first-party offerings. However, don't expect to see what every single studio is working on as the post does mention some of these teams. And this does seem like a good way for the company to get ahead and manage expectations decently, which we will learn just how important that is for Microsoft in a couple of minutes. As for the rest of the 2020 showcase, we don't have any more specific details, which is interesting that July was discussed, but no details were given on June. This could be potentially their replacement for E3, which would lead to pricing and date announcements, but at this point in time just seems like wishful thinking. I thought the reaction was less than positive around the gaming community, but I didn't think it was a consensus that it was dreadful. But Aaron Greenberg, GM of Xbox Games Marketing, did react swiftly when someone addressed some of the concerns on Twitter to him, specifically the lack of gameplay from Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Now, it could have been ignored, but Greenberg responded by saying clearly, we set some wrong expectations and that's on us. We appreciate all the feedback and can assure you we will take it all in and learn as a team. I think Greenberg and essentially Xbox coming out and saying that publicly means a lot and with a month between June and the third party showcase in July, Xbox could start by coming out now and saying what to expect for the next one, but they didn't, which leads me to believe that they will be more prepared and have a better fan service for the following events. I also really respect that this wasn't an apology from Microsoft, but instead it was just more of an acknowledgement. As I started off by saying, many people are wondering why Sony has been relatively quiet during these past few months, and maybe it's possible that this is all part of their plan that worked pretty well for them leading up to the PS4. At the start of last generation, it was all about not being able to sell used games and DRM. It sounded like both companies would be following the same path, and that the used game market would basically ceased to exist as we know it. However, it was Microsoft who was the loudest about this feature, and when the timing was right, Sony came out and gave a simple display of handing a game to someone else, and sometimes saying nothing is more important than saying anything at all. There's also the added benefit that Sony is able to see the reaction that fans have regarding these Microsoft showcases specifically and are able to tailor their announcements featuring improvements in areas that Microsoft receives backlash from. Obviously, there is no way to know if that is what's actually happening or if I'm just giving Sony way too much credit for remaining mostly silent. Overall, I thought the Assassin's Creed cinematic trailer was better than what we saw at Inside Xbox, and coincidence or not, the games that were selected to show had a much darker tone, which just could have been what looked best and what was ready to display from third parties. Or, this could possibly be an indication that Xbox is planning on targeting the hardcore gamer more. My favorite game from the showcase myself was The Ascent, which looks like Diablo with a cyberpunk flavor. I'm a huge fan of dungeon crawlers and top-down games in the vein of the old Housemarque titles, and finally, 
I think it would have been a much less negative reaction from fans if they would have opened with an anticipated or surprising third-party game from a AAA studio or if they would have actually finished with a great look at Valhalla. Up until this point, Microsoft has earned lots of credit with gamers and myself for how they've approached the Series X reveal and what they've done over the course of the Xbox One. And this slight bump in the road is hopefully just that, a bump in the road. There were plenty of Fairweather fans who turned quickly on Microsoft after this one event, and I wasn't blown away by anything in the showcase, but I also wasn't disappointed. Microsoft in the Phil Spencer era have just been doing too many positive things for me to think that this was anything but a slight messaging issue. Moving our attention now to Nintendo with the official financials from their past fiscal year revealed, we learned a few things that we will talk about. First, this was a pretty great year for Nintendo as the Switch really hit its stride. And secondly, due to the current global situation, things are looking down this fiscal year for Nintendo and for the fans. Nintendo identified to shareholders how COVID-19 has impacted the company in almost all areas from logistics, including parts procurement, production and shipping, as well as other collateral areas, including research and development, consumption habits, and foreign exchange. Combing through the financials, Nintendo posted improvements in all areas, minus a few insignificant categories. The most important categories include sales, which they posted a 9% improvement from the previous year, and net profit posting a 33% increase. And the main reason why these two numbers aren't in sync is because Nintendo has steadily seen growth in its digital sales, which is up a staggering 71%, and they still have room to grow. Digital sales accounted for 34% of the company's total software sales, and this was an increase of over 9% from the previous year. And breaking down digital sales, we see that the total was 204 billion yen, with 70% being games that are available physical as well. The remaining 30% of digital sales is split between eShop-only titles, DLC, and Nintendo Switch Online subscription. These numbers can grow though because Nintendo Switch Online subscriptions can increase, Nintendo can be more timely with DLC for their flagship titles and therefore increase sales there, and finally there is the assumption that moving forward brick and mortar stores will reduce their footprint and with the current state of the world and how people have accelerated their adoption of digital downloads, the digital format might be the preferred method for many moving forward. To get an idea of just how well things went for Nintendo this year, you need to not look any farther than Animal Crossing New Horizons, which in 11 days on the market that it had at the end of fiscal year 20, sold almost 12 million copies. Nintendo also managed to add numerous games to its million seller list, which now includes 27 titles, with 18 of those being first party. In fiscal year 20, new games that were added to that list include Astral Chain with 1.08, Marvel Ultimate Alliance with 1.08, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon with 1.26, Ring Fit with 2.73, Fire Emblem Three Houses with 2.87, Link's Awakening with 4.38, Super Mario Maker 2 with 5.48, Luigi's Mansion 3 with 6.33, Pokemon Sword and Shield with 17.3, and the aforementioned Animal Crossing. This is an impressive list for Nintendo for a few reasons. One, Pokemon and Animal Crossing selling at such high numbers is astonishing, and this means that almost half of the Switch owners bought Pokemon Sword and Shield, and over 20% of Switch owners have already bought Animal Crossing in its first 11 days. Link's Awakening only selling 4.38 seems a little underwhelming for a Zelda title, even for a reimagining. Even Breath of the Wild sold more copies in the last year with 4.64, and that is in its third year. 
It's also impressive to see Ring Fit sell pretty well for a premium priced entry due to its inclusion of the resistance ring. Nintendo succeeding on these experiments leads them to try more experiments which is always great for gamers. Finally, it is great to see Luigi's Mansion do so well with 6.33 million and that makes it the third highest selling new release of fiscal year 20 which I think it deserves due to the attention to detail that that game received. It wasn't all good news for Nintendo as there were some glaring problems with their earnings call. The first is that due to the current pandemic and the effect it has had on all aspects of the company, mainly the logistics, this means that moving forward they have forecasted a down year compared to the one that ended March 2020. As previously mentioned, the Switch sold over 21 million units in fiscal year 20, which was a massive increase from fiscal year 19. It's unfortunate for Nintendo as they were really hitting their stride three years into the console's life cycle. However, Nintendo isn't reducing their forecast drastically as they are expecting to sell 19 million units in fiscal year 21, which is still an increase from fiscal year 19, and even an increase over the original projection that they had for fiscal year 20, which was 18 million units. Looking at software, there seem to be two issues, the first being that projections similar to hardware are looking down compared to fiscal year 20, and more importantly, as of right now, we don't have a lot to look forward to. Software projections for fiscal year 20 were originally 125 million, but after a great third quarter, Nintendo revised those projections and increased them to 140 million. And as I already mentioned, Nintendo blew their software projections out of the water, largely thanks to some surprise hits and Animal Crossing being a cultural zeitgeist at the right moment as Nintendo ended up selling over 168 million units of software this past year. In the earnings report, the projected release titles from April onwards includes the same to-be-announced games that sat on those pages at the last few earnings reports, and that includes Bayonetta 3, Metroid Prime 4, and the Breath of the Wild sequel. And if you combine this with the speculation that Nintendo is postponing their flagship June Direct, then this may be a very dry year for Nintendo and for Switch fans. However, I still expect the majority of those rumored Mario games to be released this fall for the 35th anniversary. As unfortunate as it is that Nintendo doesn't think it will be able to match those numbers in fiscal year 21, they are still at the same level as their heightened revision after the third quarter, which means that they are still planning on selling software. And this means they are going to have to release some new games that we don't know about yet because I don't think they're going to be able to sell 19 million units of hardware and 140 million units of software if they are not enticing new and existing customers with great new experiences. Nintendo likely has more planned for 2020 than just the speculation of Mario's 35th anniversary, even with the global situation. I think that they plan to compete with Sony and Microsoft for gamers' attention this fall, but I don't think that they want to directly compete with them. I think Nintendo is waiting until Microsoft and Sony unveil the release dates for the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, which will then allow them to plan the release dates for their important titles around those launches. That's going to be everything for the 63rd episode of the Video Games Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please consider subscribing if you haven't already. I am currently working on a few things, but nothing to talk about just yet. So do remember to be nice to your fellow gamer, and more importantly, be nice to your fellow human.